welcome to Lawfully Chaotic Season Two, Episode Hello. Five. You know, whenever I say that, I have the I have the urge to just say hello and welcome to Movie Phone. I don't know. <laughs> well, you get that voice. Yeah. Um, hello well, and yeah. welcome hello to Movie Phone. Welcome. Remember that Seinfeld? That's probably where I got it. Where it <laughs> keeps popping in. Hey, Three Miles, thank you for joining us. Welcome. Um, Good evening, everybody. Thank you once again for joining us or watching After the Fact on VOD, Lawfully Chaotic. Uh, I'm here with my fantastical co-stars, co-stars, co-hosts. Oh, my god! Uh, I don't know if we've reached stardom yet, but... Uh, uh, in our hearts. In our, <laughs> in, in our hearts, we are stars. Uh, the wonderful Sharon Smith, Barry Bot, and Jason Baldrick, the storyteller from TTRPG Academy. Welcome all. Um, you guys have any announcements? Oh, tonight we will be talking about Dark Sun, the D&D setting from way back in the very late 80s, early 90s. It is a post-apocalyptic kind of Mad Max take on D&D. Um, and we figured we'd uh, delve into some, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the core games. We figured we'd delve into some alternate settings. Uh, as well as alternate game systems. Um, so, um, as always, Sharon has done some fantastic legwork and research on that for us. Um, but uh, you guys have any uh, announcements? Um, besides doing some homework on Dark Sun, not really. I do have a campaign this Saturday called The Grain Lens, so you could always just come by and check us out there. <laughs> Jason? What what I do? What I do this time? <laughs> what did you do? What, what did I do? <laughs> Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. You didn't do the homework? Oh my god! Uh, uh, actually, it's been a busy, kind of a busy week for me. I uh, had to postpone one of my games to get ready for a corporate gig I did, um, which went really well. We had a great time. Oh, the corporate. Uh, oh, the. Oh, yeah. How'd that go? Yeah, it went really good. It's probably my largest online group I've done. It was nine people, and then myself being wow. ten. Whoa. It pushed Streamyard to its max. The Streamyard's max is ten. You oh, have wow. Ten people on at the same time, and then up to twelve people waiting in the green room. So, it was a lot of fun. Um, how they, they like it? Oh, well, they loved it. They absolutely yeah. loved it. Uh, gave me good uh, reviews. Let Adam know that. We're going to recommend it to other orgs as well. As, as soon as they have an opportunity for another, you know, celebratory situation that they would definitely reach out. So fantastic. It was a lot of fun. It was a, it was a very, it was one of my favorite one shots. I, I wrote in homage to Lord of the Rings. Well, more importantly to the Hobbit. Um, uh -huh. It's a retelling of kind of the story of, you know, the, the Dwarven journey. So it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, other than that, we're Monday, uh, the Tuesday studio game should be coming along here in March. The new studio is about 30% done. Um, I've got a little more furniture to order, a little bit more installation to do. And then eventually we're going to move everything from here over into Studio 2.0, which is about three times the size. Nice. So it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. What do you got going on, Bri? Yeah, uh, Bri? Nothing. <laughs> Well, in that case, uh, good night, everybody. <laughs> Sorry to lose Brian uh, today, guys. <laughs> uh, no, I think I, uh, I think I am finally, um, uh, finally caught up on all of my, uh, my uh, bill-paying corporate work. 
um, and uh, able to start really delving back into this stuff. I've been a little quiet on Instagram lately, which I intend to change. Um, and I am furiously writing the campaign for our stream. Do you not write happily? You only write furiously? I write furiously. <laughs> if I don't break at least five pencils while I'm writing, then fuck it. Broken <laughs> um, pencils or? <laughs> can, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, yeah, just looking forward to kind of start focusing back on game stuff. Nice. Woo-hoo. I was told there'd be no homework. all right sharon what do we got all right everyone welcome to another episode of lawfully chaotic tonight's topic will be about the dark sun which is an alternate world in D &D. it is far more grittier far more desperate and we are going to take a deep dive into tonight's episode brian introduce our audience to the world of Athos. Very well. In the world of Athos, the sun is not a source of warmth and light, but a fiery orb that beats down upon a desolate landscape. It is a harsh and unforgiving world ruled by powerful sorcerer kings who enslave their subjects and hoard the precious resources needed for survival. Amara is a gladiator in the city of Tyr, where the sun's rays are amplified by towering obsidian spires. She was born into slavery and raised in the arena, where she has honed her skills with weapons and learned to rely on her wits and strength to stay alive. When Amara catches the eye of a mysterious woman who offers her a chance at freedom, she knows she must take the risk. The woman, whose name is Marcella, promises Amara the secrets to unlocking the power of the dark sun, and the opportunity to overthrow the Sorcerer Kings. With Marcella's guidance, Amara embarks on a treacherous journey through the wastelands of Athos, facing off against savage beasts and the deadly warriors of the Sorcerer Kings. But as Amara delves deeper into the mysteries of the Dark Sun, she realizes that Marcella is not who she appears to be. Amara must decide whether to stay true to her mission or turn against the woman who has promised her freedom. As she battles her way through the treacherous wilderness, Amara gains a group of allies who share her desire to free Tyr from the Sorcerer King's rule. Among them is a fierce elven archer named Lyrian, a half-giant warrior named Drog, and a clever rogue named Rava. Together, Amara and her companions face off against the beasts of the arena, including towering four-armed giants savage wolf-like creatures, and writhing tentacled beasts. But it's the battles outside the arena that test their strength and determination the most. With each victory, Amara grows more confident in her ability to take on the Sorcerer Kings and their minions. But as she draws closer to her goal, she must confront the true source of the Dark Sun's power and the evil that seeks to harness it for their own purposes. In the end, Amara must summon all her strength and cunning to confront the Sorcerer Kings themselves and defeat the darkness that threatens to consume her world. <laughs> that was good. God damn it, Vince. <laughs> that was amazing. Thor-armed <laughs> Thor Thor giants. Thor-sized would... forearms. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was I love amazing. 
Uh, that thank narrator you. voice is always so boss, man. Thank you, thank you. It's been a long time since I've done voiceover work. Yeah, you should I do it. You should get back to well, it. Tonight's the night, I, yeah, right? I, tonight, night, night, night. Right, Thor's Thor sized forearms. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm really okay. excited oh. for the, when we start including the game. When we yeah. start playing the campaign, do we have a? Do we have a start date for that yet? You think, Bri? I am, like I said, I am furiously writing, so mm. we, we will have a start. Date I write with much anger. Right, as um, much yes, bitter in me. So, Dark Sun. Um, I admit, I we never delved into it, so I just have a a passing knowledge uh, of it. Um, but it sounds very cool. It sounds like D and D meets Mad Max, and I get a little bit. Yeah. And I That's get exactly a little. What I thought. Yeah, and I get a little bit of. I don't know. It's probably way off base, but I get a little bit of Elric of Melnabone in Ratha mm. and that mythology. But that's kind of delving deep in. You guys, you introduce us into the uh, into the uh, the world. It sounds really cool. Yeah. Uh, so for all the uninitiative and me included. Uh, Dark Sun was created in 1991 by Troy Denning and Tim Brown for TSR for second edition D&D. Uh, this was also continued to be made as a five-part novel series that Denning went to create called The Prism Pent Pentad, uh, which tells the story of the landscape of Tyr, which I believe, uh, Jason, if I'm wrong, is there four different regions in... Uh, yeah, I don't have any of my reference material out because I've got like a stack of Dark Sun stuff like this, but I have no digital Dark Sun. Um, I originally wrote Age of Arcana many years ago and then ran a, a campaign um, recently about two years ago with a group. Um, <laughs> thanks, Vince. Um, you, know, you, know, you know what I've realized about you, Jason? For an old guy, you really take to the digital stuff. You, you oh, yeah, I love that. digital. I just it, To me, it makes my life so much easier. You're a new um, angel man. But yeah, <laughs> there's angel. like, I know, right? But there's like four Boot major, up, uh, the, there's like four major landmasses on Atlas. Um, <laughs> probably the thing I love the most about how the world came into existence um boss baby um <laughs> the i love the idea that in 1991 troy wrote a um uh button <laughs> now you guys are just maybe, getting mean maybe that's it <sighs> he's a little man baby using digital ai <laughs> <laughs> um climate change and pollution and all that wasn't really a hot topic between 80s and the early 90s mm -hmm. uh the the consumer economy was getting started everything was about go go fast 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 you know american psycho was probably the best uh you know um uh, documentary as far as i'm concerned about that time period um documentary. but wait what <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no, it's a little scary but um i think uh because this was the uh, first Gulf War, and we were experiencing the tragedy of the Middle East, the mm -hmm. decimation of the oil wells, and the destruction of so much ecology. I found it interesting that the core of this, like the core of the transformation of this world, was based on 
magic overly consuming the world and then devastating the world and then this population just clinging on as best as it can which gave the rise to the idea of the anti-hero versus the hero and what had been heroic gameplay for like 20 years was suddenly challenged by this idea of the anti-hero and to me that's what set the pace for me i i just love that idea of the anti-hero and what it meant for the game but yeah yep. tier was the more popular of the land masses when it when it came to like the content development yeah and I halflings were the reason why everything died i found that interesting too it was so weird fucking short people <laughs> Yeah, the the lore, I mean, the lore is rich and pretty deep, but um, I love the idea how it, uh, <laughs> Taylor Swift fan, um, I love the idea how it played with the notion of our preconceptions of the more traditional lineages of D&D, the harmless and roguish little halflings and, you know, it just, it changed a lot of things. It really re- centered what i thought was kind of like the mythos of the traditional heroic campaign and really allowed me to look at things very differently yeah it seems for dark sun it's vastly different uh to the settings of DD that were traditionally like more accustomed to like the very lord of the rings castles and like there's you know beautiful vistas and like force and whatnot but in dark sun it's actually desert and you don't you don't have as many resources as you're used to. And, and in fact, uh, it is, it's actually introduced that the, since the world is a desert, ration management is actually part of the functions in the game, which I yeah. thought was very interesting. Could you imagine having to play D&D and actually keep track of water? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's which not enough. Yeah, and that... Um, I saw a tanker that could haul that gasoline for you about a mile back. <laughs> hey, now you're just throwing around the Aussie. Can you be part camel in the campaign? Is there a camel race? I think you'll be fine. <laughs> but you're right. The rarity of resources, the, the, the dangers of using magic, the fact that metal is practically non-existent and yes. you can never control the magic and control the resources controls the wealth and controls everything you know so it's like it, it, it just really laid out a different mechanic for how to play the game in general you know which i loved absolutely loved it let me ask you a question uh, again because i only have a passing familiarity with, with mm. the theme um i think it's really interesting that um that they chose to do it not as a different game. Right. And not even as a different, you know, utilizing the core rules, but basically coming up with a complete new mythology. They kind of, and I'm not saying this is good or bad. I really don't. I want to get your opinion. But they yeah. kind of bastardized D&D a little bit. Um, a little bit to make it fit the, you know, the world uh, mythos. Um, and I, I and I think that's interesting. Do you think that it would have been a better product or better experience? I should say, not better product. That's a misnomer. Better experience if they had even used the same rules, but come up with a completely new. Like this isn't D and D. This is right. I think in '91 they had a lot of unique challenges. Um, mm. 
this was the apex. It was all downhill from here, right? We're only, we're less than nine years away from the tragedy of 2000 um, and the gradual decline and the eventual buyout of Watsi, the bankruptcy, the court hearings and the everything playing out in the Gary Gygax world as, mm-hmm. you know, we're about to start that downward trend. Um, one of the things I think that led them there was the fact that TSR had developed a game system for Indiana Jones, for Gangbusters, for Star Frontiers. I think they were developing a lot of systems. And I think when they were looking at the successes of Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, and some of the others, they were beginning to realize that we don't need a new system. You know, I think they were finally seeing that if we just took the pieces of the system that made sense to the world, then that's the world you're going to deliver. Plus, most people were reusing the parts mm-hmm. of the puzzle the way they kind of wanted to anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the thing that this introduces so much to the idea of really kind of like um, taking on the notion of second edition is that it really showed people once again, you could be super creative because what was happening with Forgotten Realms is they're book library was getting so popular for the novels they didn't want you fucking with the legacy or the hero the heroes or they didn't really want you giving bad endings to those forgotten realm stories so there was a whole lot of weird content licensing around that at the time everything had to be dark 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 happy you know it it, it Mm -hmm. just you know the hero's journey had to be the the center point and i think once again this shows that a system that had its core values. Yeah, Gangbusters was amazing. Um, that had its core values in mechanics and gamification could just be put in these worlds. But this world showed people, holy shit, you can get really creative if you want to. You could really, you know, and I and I truly believe this either the precursor or the onset of the this may have been an outcome of Gamma World. I think the confusion and the rarity and the strangeness of Gamma World began to really kind of stimulate folks into thinking very differently about how gaming systems and worlds could kind of collide. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. I'm not, I I think it's really cool. I find it interesting though, that like I, I, you know, we've talked about, well, okay. I just, I just like contradict myself in my head because we're talking about the, the DC system, which is 5e, but this is where right. happens second edition. So I think I just answered my own question. <laughs> what I was going to say is <laughs> you have a core system that you could apply to any, you know, to any genre. But I, fu- I thought it was interesting that they pulled like 90% of the D&D mythos and put it in this world rather than, um, rather than just creating a whole new, you know, a whole new mythos. Yeah. Classes. Well, I, but know. I think I think this is also a good experiment for them to to create a world, create a history and backstory and understanding of the world. Mm-hmm. Take the second of D rule set, you know, and then say, even though they kind of pulled some of the D and D mythos in, they very much pulled it in and then juxtaposed almost everything related to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the really cool introductions, and I know it's later on in the in the notes, but I think it's a it's a really good point to their creativity uh, was the cream, you know, bringing mm-hmm. the cream into it. An insect race, I think, was really <laughs> kind of cool. Bugs. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's an Aladdin <laughs> reference. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I think, you know, uh, again, to talk about, and I'm, I'm not, no rant cam, but to talk about, you know, <laughs> to talk about how with some creative thought, um, you know, Watsy could really uh, come up with something fantastic, which is take those 5E rules, you know, which are, which we've, we've already determined can be applied to anything and mm -hmm. come up with an entirely new game. You know, and without, of... yeah, and without like really kind of needing to devolve or overly evolve the mechanics to allow the core mechanics to really that's... still kind of be the main <laughs> delivery method. That's my point. Yeah, it'd be it would be really really cool. So I, I just thought back then, and again, back then is way different than now. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, because let's it, let's let's be open and honest about there are a lot of cringy subject matter in Dark Sun. Mm -hmm. A lot. Um, Cringy, a, like what? Uh, slavery. They do a lot of focus on slavery. And there's which, like genetic mutations too. Yeah. So there's a lot of racial connotation in the way <clears throat> that they kind of carry on the idea of the theme of the struggle. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of misogyny in it, which I think in 91 could be perceived as basement friendly to the basement community that was playing the game, right? It's our game. We'll play it how we want. Mm -hmm. But I think as it crawled out of the basement and became a much more publicly played game post nineties, obviously a lot of that material just isn't really kind of relevant to the common culture right now. Yeah. That was the, that was the solution to that Gary. Just you go back through the portal, all your shit <laughs> stops working. Yeah. There you <laughs> yeah. Your batteries are all drained and all your bullets. <laughs> Yeah, and that, like, even society in Dark Sun, it's, like, it's very strict, too. Like, you can't you can't read or write unless you're, like, a higher class. Yeah. Like. And I, wow. I think that was um, a nod towards the printing press and, the you know, when Gutenberg made it so that just not, you know, the, the Catholic community could read. You know, the serfs. Really? And, yeah, so the... It was a nod to the fact that whoever really controls the literacy and controls the voice controls the people. And for a very long time, that's as exactly we have the society well seen we as of as of late the past. Yeah, few years. you know. So I think it was his nod to the um, to the idea of the Catholic Church, how you know before it transformed and became something else. The Gutenberg Bible, you know, through mm -hmm. the print printer press, reshaped and rechanged how you know um, aristocracy, the serfdom, and you know, how the, the monarchs all began to see each other very differently. Mm -hmm. um, not to mention, this subject matter was a great playground for disease and plague. And, you know, you could come across a village, it's barely hanging on, come by a week later, and everybody's di died of a strange disease, right? So you were really playing with a playground that felt truly, you know, sinister, and yeah. up to then, D&D &D wasn't supposed to be sinister, right? D&D &D was supposed to be, you know, this fun adventure you went on, you know, commercially, right? I it mean, also was, has yeah. a little bit of a Conan the Barbarian feel to me. It does, yes. very much so. In Conan, fact, a lot of Frazetta Crow, art, a lot of Frazetta yeah, art is in yeah. Dark Sun. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of Frazetta art in Conan. So mm -hmm. 
I think, though, Conan did a better job of the test of time because of its media evolution and its popularity. Every time they tried to do something with Dark Sun, it just it couldn't get traction. Mm. Uh, they made a, they, There was an infamous computer game that they made that no one could win. Like, you, you died within five minutes. And you would play and play and play. You're dead. Play and play. You're dead. I mean, it was it was almost Sounds like, like Dark a, Souls. It, yeah, right. It, it was it it just became this kind of self fulfilling uh, prophecy before microtransactions. <laughs> Five minutes, you're dead. Spend a dollar, you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just never found. Yeah, right. It just never found its traction. It never found a platform that it could remain a part of, and you know, uh, carry on into the future. It just became this kind of just isolated uh, content that just never went that far. Jeff put a link in the chat for uh, Dark Sun series. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's a couple really good YouTube links that are worth checking out. Um, there's a two or three hour video on the entire origin history evolution of Dark Sun. And it really is. A, it's really a well done kind of like um document a media document on it um i just don't know if we ever had a rooted culture that was ever going to accept the idea of a sinister DD game which i find interesting because a real popular system now i don't know system but is hardcore DD, right mm -hmm. they, they have that whole hardcore DD thing now where it's like 5e tripping acid uh, set at like super super difficult level, um, you know, it's designed really? to try to kill you, you know, and it's a third party creation, and it's gotten popular, right? Because you know, a lot sounds, of people sounds like Morkborg. <laughs> yeah, you're I, I all think gonna I'll, die eventually, so you might as well go balls out. You know, <laughs> um, I think folks have been playing this kind of liquor store kind of candy wrapped game for a while now. Mm -hmm. And you, the community is in two spaces, you know, yeah. uh, and those two spaces are saying, well, yeah, this has been fun, but can we get gritty? Can we get different? Can we they figure out a way? Feel alive. Yeah. Survivor <laughs> mode. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, pretty much survivor mode D and D, you know, it's, it's a little bit, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I love the gritty aspect. I really do. But something in my brain is saying, man, the whole world is fucked like this. What's the point? <laughs> you know, rather than, okay, there's this this island in the middle of the ocean that was not affected. And, you know, it's like Waterworld. It's like, you know, getting to the fucking top of Mount Everest, you know, is the only land left on the planet. It's like, there's got to be some hope. But it seems like this is just a hopeless setting. It's very harsh. Well, and the conclusion of some of those campaigns was, wait, did we actually win or did we just not die? Is, that is, I is love like, right there. Like it, you get to the end and you're like, you know, um, and that, you know, and that's the other thing, right? A night's rest is a short rest. A whole week is a long rest. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do where the world itself <laughs> Becomes the main enemy. <laughs> kind of. Take it away, Brian. <laughs> Take it away. 
I wish we had a. I wish we had somebody playing a lute right now for a bard. Right. And you could be the Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was going to start singing Tina Turner. Um, uh, we don't need another hero. <laughs> But, run by the town. But I mean, as a as a player, you're essentially playing an anti-hero. That's, that's a good point, uh, Gary. Um, you know, you get you get to be a certain age, especially with kids, and and your 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 views change. You mm -hmm. know, and whereas before, it's like, yeah, let's play in this hopeless piece of shit fucking world, and there's no reason to even live. Now you're like, God, this is this is like normal life. Why do I want to play this all? <laughs> You have to pay taxes? What? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Actually, <laughs> somebody should create an RPG, you know, like the game of life board game, but as an RPG. And literally, well, there's that like, famous meme. Taxes. There's no more social security. You just there's that it. famous meme of the group of orcs playing. Playing humans and houses. Yeah, playing yeah. humans and houses. Humans? I, it's yeah. just so funny. Yeah. It's just, it just cracks me Death up every time I think about the that. RPG. <laughs> <laughs> Death and taxes, the RPG. <laughs> Actually, so you know something? That is not that crazy of an idea because you could play the game as if you, the way you really would want to play in real life. You know, like, okay, I go into my boss after he just laid me off and I chop his fucking head off. <laughs> oh, that'll play well in the socials. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun game. Hmm. <laughs> but I mean, I think I, think I have another project. In but <laughs> I find it interesting out of all the D and D reboots, this never got one. Yeah. It never well, got and one. It's, and, and probably to your point, the social landscape has changed to where yeah. this wouldn't fucking fly right now. Yeah. You know? Millennia the board game. <laughs> <laughs> Millennial the board game. <laughs> they have a board game like that called Life. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. Chat, you're on fire tonight. <laughs> are we? Oh, wait, we are recording this. We could steal all this later. <laughs> I can steal all this. Somebody write this down. Trademark Thank on everything. Dibs. Guys. <laughs> Dibs on everything. Trademark. No take backs. <laughs> everything said in chat and lovely chaotic studio. And to a certain degree, the whole mutation thing was treated kind of with. Delicate gloves. <laughs> That's an inside joke we have in our Slack chat. Is based on. anytime you know it's like you stole that idea. No, it's based on. <laughs> it, it's based on an idea I had twenty five years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, you know, the iPhone was based on an idea that I had twenty five years ago. I just didn't ever got around to doing it. Apple stole it. Yeah. 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 True. Yeah. True. Of course, the original iPhone was going to be the Nano. That's terrifying to think about. That was the Newton. Remember the Newton? Well, yeah, but it's a cross between the Newton and the Nano. That was the the, the initial push for the iPhone. Sharon's like, okay, this is that's not <laughs> off track. That's a full on. We just blew up the railroad. I know, right? But I will say this: one of the things that I thought was interesting is that you know when they introduced some of the lineages in Dark Sun. You're getting a glimpse of things to come, you know the Goliath, the Azimir, mm -hmm. um, the the Crean, Tiefling, um, uh, the Tiefling to yeah. a certain degree. Yeah. Um, you were Dragonborn, you know, 
And then the idea the of the defilers and the preservers, like, <clears throat> and they treated dragons very differently in Dark Sun. Yeah. Very Actually, differently. Who were the preservers and defilers? Could you dive more into that? So the preservers were just this like shadowy um, alliance that was doing everything they could to preserve life. But once again, they were willing to kill to preserve life. Like it was that great juxtaposed problem of if you want to preserve life, you got to go to war, right? It's like, and you, peace, it's like peacemaker. I don't care yeah. how many people I have to kill to preserve you know, the peace. <laughs> you know, and it was a really a interesting type of thing. But then you had the defilers, which were these corrupted individuals that could either be dragons that were becoming more like these like humanistic like mutants um wow. there was like and the defilers were always looking for ways to continue the corruption and keep the world in darkness and in corruption because that's how they obtained their power so they were the yin and yang of the story it was the dark versus the light but the yin and yang theme is always balance did you ever right? read uh, did you ever read my ishmael by daniel quinn mm-hmm Okay, so it touches on uh, evolutionary biology and, and the tenets uh, um, therein. Um, and uh, he goes into uh, the history of the lever, he, what he calls the levers and the takers mm. of how people interacted mm. with our world. And uh, I, 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 I felt a little bit of correlation there between the, the preservers and the defilers. Um, in, you know, uh, going along with the whole theme of magic, you know, destroying our ecology and what like, and, right, and, right. Uh, there's a, there's a really, first of all, it's a really good book. Um, and it's some really interesting, um, views in there. Well, and that's a good point. Cause I really feel like dark sun became an expression of the authors. Mm. Like I really felt a lot of the authors in this content, the idea of ecology, corruption, the mm -hmm. anti-hero, things aren't always as they that you think they're going to be. Um, uh, mutation and and all of the the upturning of the norm into a world that you have to figure out how to exist in, whether it's good or bad. It's like I don't know if anybody else is watching The Last of Us, but mm -hmm. the Friday uh, episode was phenomenal, and mm -hmm. once again. Another yeah. really well-developed and well-delivered story about what you're willing to do in the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. What are you, what are the rules in survival? Mm -hmm. What are the, are they even rules? Can you, can you quantify what that world's going to do and immediately change or start changing you as you make your way through that journey mm -hmm. and, and trying yeah. to grasp the idea well, if I don't kill those people, I don't eat tonight. If I want to eat tonight, I got to go kill those people. And in mm -hmm. Dark Sun, sometimes that's who you ate. Yeah. Right? There was, you know, there was a lot of cannibalism and, you know, enslavement and a lot of really tough um, counterculture ideas, though. I What's for dinner tonight? It, oh, shit. It's halfling soup again. Again. I always get hair in my teeth when I eat me halfling. <laughs> no, you bring that brings then that kind of goes to my point of, you know, that it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, choice to turn the entire planet into this desolate, you know, 
hellhole of of survival you know i mean you gotta think in like you know in in walking dead and and last of us you know and and don't read anything into this okay i don't need i don't i don't i don't need a phone call afterwards okay i'm fine but i'm just saying good no no i'm no my point what i'm trying to say is you have to you have to think in a setting like that at what point do you call it quits and just say it's not worth going on Mm-hmm. Because of these decisions, I have that to make. sounds like a player question, right? I mean, Barry, as a player, when is the apocalypse idea just too much? Like, in your mind, when you start sitting down to play a game, can it get too dark? I mean, looking at Dark Sun, I feel like it's a reflection of society in general, and I could, I have some familiarity with that. And it makes me curious to see like this different parallel to mm. like it's it's a narrative parallel to our society. Like there's mutations, there's you know, um, you know, economic um, <sighs> struggles, and you know, uh, environmental just wrecks just everywhere. Just because like even like magic users they take life from the planet, and these preservers and defilers they're just. I think this game was 30 years too early, to be honest. Yeah. Well, but, but see, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that at all. I think this game's sadness is that 30 years later, it's not any different. Well, there, okay. There you go. Well, right. I, there's I, not I, that great I, revolution. I there's, you know, the anti-hero is, has become irrelevant because the anti-hero is the norm. Yeah. Right? The idea of being the narcissist and out for ourselves has become normalized in pop culture. Yeah. Pop culture, not in our family culture. I think I think <laughs> it's not a ubiquitous outcome. I think if you look at cultural references, it's kind of yeah, the poor will always be so rich, right? There definitely is an underlying <laughs> cannibal theme tonight. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but 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 I mean I find it interesting that we come back to it though. We still come back to this content, this uniquely built kind of pearl of wisdom in the middle of the 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 apex of TSR like they're at their mm-hmm. height i mean they're licensing toilet paper and socks and <laughs> if they could slap their sticker on it they were licensing on it they were i mean big giant mountains of cocaine it was a good time <laughs> master has it fed us yet we're hungry so hungry. I'm for <laughs> with a nice Chianti. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. It's a little self-reflective. Like when I was writing and thinking about this, and then when, when I was running the Age of Arcanum campaign, you know, you there was no like gold was worthless in the world. It had no value. Because it couldn't be made into anything. So no one cared about gold anymore. But if you showed up with a small jug of water, you could buy out the tavern for the night. Wow. But because there's no more forest, the furniture is made out of bone and skin of the creatures of the world. That's right. Because you don't have weapons. You don't have swords or shields anymore. It's literally hides and bones. Yeah. 
And if you did, you were ultra powerful. So once again, the arms race was at its pinnacle, right? The post fall of the Soviet Union. Get it? Was in, it was, the arms race, yeah, literally. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but we were we were transitioning out of eighty nine and into ninety one. We were coming out of. I'm proud of you. You know <laughs> that period. So yeah, a world where you're like, oh, I can't find any metal. What the hell kind of world is this? Yeah, you know, it was crazy. It's just uh, for. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think I think back then and and your correlation to what was going on in the Gulf War and all that stuff and mm -hmm. and commercial, you know, the the commercialization of of society and whatnot. I think that is apt. Um but I I think I don't know, back then I think the even the idea of this this dark hopeless world was still somewhat fantastical. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it's not now you know, because it's, like it's happened so many times. News, yeah. Right? It, it, well, it happens so many. Well, see, here's the thing though. I don't know if people, I don't know if people would, would, would latch onto this today. I think it's too close to home. Yeah. But that's but, what I'm saying. It's like, it's like a dark mirror of like society. It's, it's pretty on point. But I think the, the challenge we have is that because we're better connected and better interwoven through our communication infrastructure. Were the same things really still going on in the eighties? We just now know about them more often, or we get the message in less than an hour. What used to take a week, right? The, yeah, that is a, that is a very good point. Not you know, and, and, things and have what, not changed as much as we think. It is just that we are we are hyper aware of it. There. Um, There's a really good piece I was uh, watching about bad movie. I fucking love Waterworld. Oh, Waterworld is awful, but it was a good awful. It's the best awful thing I've ever watched. It was. It was. It was one of those. Really <laughs> it was good, one of those. I mean, nothing compares to Starship Troopers as the best worst movie of true. all time. But yeah. Waterworld is high up. Waterworld. <laughs> if you ever want to see Kevin Costner in his prime, there's two movies you got to see. Waterworld and a dollar to the other one that anyone can think of. Good point, Jeff. Your dad had a good point. What's the other? What's the other? Uh, wait a second. In his prime, it starts with a P. Quick uh, chat. Pop. Yeah, there you go, chat. You got it, Postman. <laughs> he is. But there was a back-to-back -back obsession that Kevin was having with doing apocalyptic movies. And they were both completely opposite of each other. Well, Dancing with Wolves was was a good movie. That was probably the best in his acting prime. <laughs> but here's the crazy thing about Dark Sun. I think Dark Sun would make an amazing series. Oh, like, absolutely. I would make an absolute... Yeah. If yes. anything that Last of Us is, has shown yes. us is that with... So I'm going to say this, and I hope every fucking horrible show writer hears, hears this. With good, <laughs> competent skilled show writers who aren't fucking high and drunk all the time got a hold of content like this. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> Haven't you heard that old adage? Write <laughs> drunk, edit sober? No, no. Never I, heard it's that? terrible. Yeah. I've heard it, and it's terrible. Um, Your face the is day after was a, out of here. <laughs> the, the day after was Disney Apocalypse. If you want to watch terrifying Apocalypse, watch threads 
Threads will have you have nightmares for years. I've never that was I'm good. That that was a UK version of the apocalypse. And we know how unfunny they don't punch us over there, right? No, cannibalism. I mean that's the opening credits. Cannibalism and tea. I'm just saying you go for the ones that aren't so suntanned. When you try to chew through that skin, you're liable to break a tooth. And then when you get to the bone and you need to get the marrow out of the bone. I'm not ready. <laughs> I do. I th- uh, no, yeah, it, that's interesting though. I I think it would make a fantastic freaking series. But as a but as a role playing game, I don't know. I still feel <laughs> like, you know, I still feel like we play these games for um, escape, uh, escape. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. And like I said, I I'm not opposed to gritty, but in a game, there's got to be some reason. Dark Sun yeah. is definitely oh. more on the sinister side. I would definitely agree with you guys on that one. It's definitely way more sinister than a lot. I mean, if you're going to go that route, yeah. then go Morkborg <laughs> route, where like everything is fucked and you're going to fucking die no matter what. So I have a really? good time with it. Oh yeah. So, so in Dark Sun, what is the ideal ending? What <laughs> you you die quickly. <laughs> Well, I mean, not really. I mean, we had a lot of you're fun eaten with it. by something. To, to continue the theme, you're eaten by something with a big enough mouth that you go down in one gulp. There was, you know, it was actually pretty fun because it oh my really God, paranoia. It really took on. Um, that, yeah, exactly. That game was fucking awesome. <clears throat> I've got all those books, by the way, for paranoia. Box sets, the whole thing is crazy. But to Barry's point, what was the point? Right? What? What were what is the happy ending? <clears throat> I mean, great one. You could make it anything you wanted to. For one, silver thing. lining in this dark and harsh world. I, I mean, it's a good point. That may be why it never really gained the long-term popularity. Mm-hmm. Because games, I think, that are purposely sinister and dark <laughs> for a community that want to play a long-term campaign. Yeah. That could be super I mean, I, weighty and very difficult to yeah. do. I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine the the mental um, stress of playing oh, a two year on that a two year Dark Sun campaign? When I was writing it, when I was writing a campaign that we were playing, I was like, "Nope, I got to rewrite that. That's not dark enough. That's not sinister enough. That's too. <laughs> that's too park and and cotton Vanilla. candy." Oh, no, you know what Bella. else it reminds I mean, me of is uh, uh, Dark Tower. Love that game. Great game. The reboot looks amazing. I think the reboot could be a lot of fun. It's more of a mm-hmm. traditional round robin board game now, and yeah. and it's more. Um, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, not Dark Tower. Um, I have the reboot of that of that board right. game, and it's fucking fantastic. Which one are oh, you thinking of? Stephen King. What's the? Uh, oh, uh, Watchtower or whatever. No. Oh, oh, you're thinking of the one that they turned into a movie, The Stand. You're thinking of the stage. No, the Dark Tower books. Yeah. Oh, it okay. is Stephen yeah. King's Dark Tower, not Revolution, thinking... not Revolution Games. Right. Dark I thought you were talking about the Which... Milton Bradley Dark Tower from the from the early 80s. Right. And the, by the way, uh, so just a plug right now. So the so Revolution Games rebooted the uh yes, the Gunslinger series. Thank you. Um uh 
Jenga. Uh, they rebooted Dark Tower. <laughs> and uh, it is just... truly an amazing game. So if you feel like spending $100 on a board game, worth every penny. Yeah, it was, pretty, it was a pretty good reboot. Yeah. Dark Tower, the reboot by Revolution Games. It is amazing. The tower, you actually play a little bit of sideline, but you play with an app and the tower is digital. It's like four levels and it is digital. They spent like a year engineering this. So the, the levels of the tower uh, rotate automatically and tell you what to do in the game and affect the outcome of the game. It's it very interactive. Great. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. And you could play a lot, a lot longer now. Before it was a very short, like oh, it's no, it's like robbing. an hour and a half. Yeah, game. so you could play like a the lot longer. The Gunslinger series is what I was talking about, and the Dark Tower. Thank you, Jeff. Gotcha. Yes. It reminds gotcha. me of of that a little bit uh, too. But what? Well, and I'm looking at some of the games I have on my shelf. Yes. And I'm immediately wondering about, you know, Catan. Like Catan comes to mind. You know the the struggle to settle, to rise, to get. Even in that game, there always felt like a win. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, all these games feel like they have a win. And I'm like, you know, when I reach into my archives and I think about all the Dark Sun games I, I used to play, no one won shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like, that's my, and that's it, my just, point. Only yeah. having a passing familiarity with the game, like, every game, there's a, there's a goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Even if you never achieve it, there is at least the, this hope Dark Sun doesn't seem to have any hope whatsoever other than, you know, kill or be killed, basically. Yeah. Is there, like, maybe, like, a narrative, like, silver lining, at least? Like, well, yeah, you could like, always slip that in whenever you want to, sure. right? I mean, that's, I mean, up to the, that's up to the person, you know, refing the game or, you know, storytelling the game and with the players, mm-hmm. you know. Once again, I mean, any content that the, the table is a group effort, and there's plenty of consent and conversation about expectation. You can make any content into a playable content. Of Don't course, wrong. absolutely. But from a commercial perspective, I think Brian is very accurate in understanding that, you know, for a game to have generational legs, it can't be about just just this kind of this sinister outcome that just says there's never any chance. I mean, right kind of hard to slip into fantasy and immersion when that's kind of like the theme you know um i always tweaked it changed it bent it to give it a little bit more kind of like flavor of a more traditional hero's journey with some anti-hero activity but yeah i i think to a certain degree one of the reasons why it just never got legs and stayed within um you know the pantheon of evolution of the different contents i just don't think it was well received for a lot of groups and a lot of the culture it was just like you know not only is it con it's content kind of super you know out of date with where we are in our current current cultural reality but there was never that silver lining to bear yeah there's there no was never that I mean, yeah it was I weird mean, i had to i i was an avid walking dead fan and by season eight nine i i quit and I just, you know, I went back and watched season 10, um, you know, but I'll tell you, it got fucking exhausting yeah. after a while. And it wasn't because I got bored. It was because, like, I'm like, I can't fucking take all this misery anymore. There is yeah. no, there's no 
point and there's no hope in this the show. game got stressful <laughs> it got it got exhausting it was ex it was mentally exhausting to to continue um to read that well, dark you know energy what? i don't have a problem with dark energy actually um Ugram brings up a very valuable lesson about the table <laughs> It still has to have entertainment value. So if the table could still find entertainment value in the dark and the sinister and sure play it to the level of fun and entertainment, absolutely agree. Maybe this game is for like murder of the boats or something. No, it's definitely no, it's too light. It's too I think it's too sinister for even murder hobos. Murder what? hobos at least have a semblance of an idea of oh, I'd never kill the barkeep. I only kill the merchant shop owner. Well, in Dark Sun. What are you talking about? You kill everybody, buddy. You're going to starve if you don't. You know, you go three days without water. You're looking at your own foot going, you know what? I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Tofu. <laughs> I see what you did there, Barry. And it was awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I think one of the reasons why I really enjoyed the idea of talking about Dark Sun is... <laughs> Yeah, everybody's a murder. When the whole world is a murder hobo, nobody's yeah, a murder Yeah, I mean, hobo. You're, you're, the only way you're going to be weird is if you're not murdering. True. That's how you become different. But the the, the whole Dark Sun theme, once again, you know, I I when I redid it and got it more modernized for a group of people that I was running in it for a little while, um, I think it, we lasted about six months before people had to go off in different directions. It happens. Mm -hmm. Um uh, I converted it all to 5e. So I, you know, I blended it. And once again, with the. <laughs> uh, once again, it's like one of the reasons why I love the 5e core so much is you can adapt it just, just about anything you want. From Wikipedia, looking back at the setting, Chris Wilson, writing for The Time, describes wor the world as a good candidate for television adaptation, a richly imagined world with traces of Dune mixed with Jedi-like powers and a healthy side of murderous human-sized praying mantises. That would be the crane. <laughs> yeah, that would be the crane. Yeah, I think I think I agree. As a as a TV show, that would be it would be fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. But you know, gangbusters didn't stand time, you know, the test of time. Star Frontiers didn't really stand the test of time, but yet Battletech has been rebooted by Catapult Games. So it's interesting the choices that are being made to reboot, and it's interesting to see which games are coming back. And, and I know that whole OSR community has its own understanding of what, you know, old school, um, you know, old school role playing games mean to them, um, you know, but so it's on, interesting. On this topic, I'm not next week because I want to I want to switch topics. But next time we do a game system mm -hmm. discussion like this, a deep dive, if you will, I want to talk about Shadowrun. Okay. Yeah, Shadowrun is a lot think, of fun. Which I think is one of the best mythos ever created in a game. I yeah, the, and, the and mechanics I'm... and the system were shit. Yeah, uh, the background and the idea was fucking amazing. So but I think I that's a good, uh, and I think that's a good topic to talk about. Maybe Shadowrun, great mythos, horrible mechanics versus great mechanics, horrible mythos. Horrible mythos, and, yeah, yeah. You know, and that all yeah. that whole idea. I think that'd be a great topic for next week. Great, yes, totally. Uh, Sharon, you familiar with Shadowrun at all? 
Nope. So this is going to be another homework session. Okay. <laughs> so just a 10-second primer to the next time we talk about game systems. Shadowrun was, uh, it was it, the main, I'm going to keep this short. The main setting was in Seattle, which was like an outpost, okay, of, of not civilization because the world hadn't gotten to shit. The world just changed. It utilized um, Native American culture, um, the coming of the sixth age of, of evolution or of man. And what happened was magic made its way back into the world <clears throat> in the form of people mutating back into elves, dwarves, orcs, trolls. Dragons were back, and magic came back. Sounds a lot so like Gamma World to me. So magic <laughs> came back in the world. Native American nations uh, took over. Uh, cyber, yes, basically cyberpunk plus magic. Yeah. Um, so you have, or, or you could just read Gamma World. It's basically the same thing. So you have uh, <laughs> you have magic and D and D races combined with basically the Matrix. Actually, right. that would be more apt because the Matrix meets D&D all at once. And the bad guys were corporations who <gasps> now own... See, I love that. Uh, that's why you're right. Yeah. That's why that mythos is so good. Yeah. So it's it was no longer so, about the yeah. government. It was about the corporations right. who got super rich, who owned their own private security forces and armies. And the whole the, the basis of the game was corporate corporate espionage. Mm-hmm. And it was just fantastic how they did it. Yeah. Corpos, yep. Corpos Brian Corpos. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because a lot of that terminology you just used, I love the Netflix series uh, Cyberpunk. I don't know if anyone's yeah. watched it yet. It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. And I, I love the how they changed the, 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 the language and created their own like uh, grammar and created this whole like immersive language that was just oh, so cool. oh my god yeah the fencer was always like you'd always get your you'd always get your mission from mr johnson and <laughs> really? he was your, oh, yeah. well that's that's not any different than the guard named bill right yeah <laughs> right? i mean it was it was all uh, they, they did such a great do- job in the background down to they had specific restaurants in seattle like there was an orc restaurant um, where everything, you know, the food was very spicy and, and I would um, love to run an expanse RPG or Firefly RPG. I would Serenity RPG would be, would be yeah. so much fun. That would be awesome. So much fun. Such a great series. Those I, I really, I always, and again, it's it's too bad that Shadowrun uh, that the mechanics were were so lacking. Because, but once again, I keep. I, I would love us to have a, an episode because I think Barry would have a lot to say about this too, being a player character for the most part, and hopefully exploring the idea of becoming, uh, you know, a storyteller and running her own games because I think she has a natural knack for for creativity. Mm-hmm. But we keep coming back to this mechanics here, mechanics there, mechanics here, mechanics here, but yet to me. If you've got a good theme, mythos, or genre, or I, I fuck the mechanics. Well, I, I, I agree and disagree. I agree in theory. I, 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 I agree in theory if the game allows for interpretation. Shadowrun that, mechanics did not allow for interpretation. Correct. Like and, and I think one of the things I'm hoping we're going to see out of the Critical Role group is a true narrative gaming system. I think. Yeah. We don't have one yet. A lot of people have tried, but um, 
but I think a true narrative gaming system that gets us to that point that you simply pick any genre, theme, or mythos. You get consent at a table. Hey, does this sound like it would be fun? Yes. Let's just play in a fantasy world being run by Harley Davidson bikers. Or mm-hmm. let's, you know, let's play dinosaurs like Turok, but everybody is mutant aliens from mm-hmm. 15 different worlds. I you know what I mean? Just like that, that playground that a, idea. I don't think that a narrative game and mechanics are mute have to be mutually exclusive. I think you can have a strong set of mechanics. Torg! I was just, you beat me to it, Gary. God damn it. I was going to say, I was, I was always, as, as role-playing games go, I was always drawn to games that mixed uh, stereotypical genres, like mm. Shadowrun. Like well, Torg. that's where we were going off was the, yard, the epitome though. of that, because it took 20s noir, ancient Egypt, right. Old West, science fiction put everything together in this amalgam of multiversal mythology. But this what is one of your saying, dad jokes, but what is the hardest part about skydiving? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't have jokes AI. Um, kind of, but, yes. But, but where I was going is I think you can have an involved set of mechanics for the people that like it, okay? I love the randomness of rolling dice, and I love Mm. scores, all right? I do agree with you, though, that as long as that system allows for narrative interpretation, that's the best of both worlds. Yeah. And I told you, I've been thinking lately about, about creating a game system that is... Mechanics heavy, but not mechanics reliant. Okay, so you have your your game mechanics, and you you create your character with a lot of room for very specialized skill trees, but it is mostly up to the game master's interpretation on how to apply that and how to reward that. Like I mm-hmm. like your idea of actually no levels, shit like that. You just you just um, advance your skills, your personal skills yeah. and abilities. You advance no levels. Levels don't matter. Okay, yep. and even though there is this really involved um, set of of rules for scores and whatnot, it's all relying on how the players and the GM decide to play the game. Uh, and what's really fun is the we took away the hit point mechanics from a normalcy perspective, so they're not predictable mechanics anymore. Um, we took away the predictable mechanic of the spell slot of the spell slot balance because we Mm -hmm. took out the level system. Mm -hmm. Basically the players before they go to bed said, okay, these are the 12 spells I'm going to learn. And this is all I get. Mm -hmm. And that's what they get for the day. So if they want magic missile four times, they've got to study it four separate times and they get it four times. Mm -hmm. And then we, their intelligence and their understanding of the arcane determines how powerful that spell becomes as they progress as long as they're practicing and developing the skill just give all the narrative back to the players i just i love that i just think mm-hmm. that's just so much more fun and i and i agree what i'm saying is i think the mechanics it's interesting how we got onto this topic we always yeah. do whenever we get I think, we, I think the mechanics serve as a base 
for the player and GM narrative on top of that. Okay, so you have a base and you do have a yeah, score. The chaos there, do, yeah. yeah, exactly. You have a base, you have a score, and you have dice. But rule of basically, it's just a system based on rule of cool. Is what it comes down to in yeah, my mind. That's fair. Uh, we chewed up another hour. How do we do we that? We did. It was a really good topic. Holy crap. <laughs> it was. It was. I didn't think we could talk that much about Dark Sun, but uh, ah. congrats, Oof. Jason, on, on picking Chad, the topic and on, and Sharon on researching it. I was, yeah. you know. I agree. Yeah. Rollies? Rollies. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Join in on Rollies. Hold on. Hold oh, on. Before what? Rollies. Um, okay. So uh, next week, um, so, <laughs> so next week, uh, I definitely want to talk about sh a deep dive into Shadowrun, but yes. I kind of feel like we should do a different topic rather than another game system. Unless, chat, you want to talk about that. Chat, if you have ideas for a topic for next week, throw them out there. Um, one that we were thinking about was talking about AI, the recent AI um, hoopla, especially, yep. obviously, as it pertains to gaming and DMing and, and all yep. that. No, 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 no. I kind of agree, Jeff, because I fucking hate it. But I know Jason loves it. I which use is, it constantly. Which is still yeah. this this anomaly of old guy and uh, computers. But uh, that's your background. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so Our throw, language out models, dag -nabbit. <laughs> throw out uh, <laughs> throw out some ideas for uh, show topics for next next week. We can table the shadow run for our next system deep dive. And uh, on that, we can, uh, we can do rollies. Now we do rollies. I'm right. going to go with my unicorn uh, D20. Unicorn D20. <laughs> Just need my two or three rants and I'm good to go. <laughs> I got a 19. Oh, you fucker. I got 11. I got a 13. Yeah. All right, Sharon, let's, Sharon, let's do a roll off. <laughs> Jeff got a 17. All right, Sharon, let's do a roll off. Okay, okay. Seven. Four. <laughs> I was you trying to give it to you. Okay, so anyway. Um, spell attack. <laughs> um, okay, night, okay, Nightbot. Take us out. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I was just about to ask. Fucking AI. <laughs> um... Okay, so anyway, uh, this is a really great conversation. Uh, kind of surprised, actually. I didn't think we can get an hour out of, out of just our yeah. son, but God damn it, we did. Um, <laughs> thank you all once again for joining us. Uh, I can't, I cannot stress enough how much uh, you guys add um, to the to love the show. chatting with all chat. of you. Uh, Twisted, thanks for showing up. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, seriously, thank you all for continuing to to join. It really makes a huge, huge uh, difference. Um, and thank you all for uh, those of you who watch After the Fact on VOD. Uh, Sharon, where can we find you? Hey, oh, guys. You, uh, oh, I'm sorry. So apparently Matt has been on the whole time just uh, lurking. So <laughs> joining. <laughs> Sharon. Hiding in the bushes. Hiding in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of a theme tonight <laughs> bad oh, dreams you. everyone okay sharon i'm sorry where can we find you 
Thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode of Lawfully Chaotic Dark Sun Edition. You can catch me here over at BarryBot on Instagram and on Saturdays on the Graying Lands campaign where I play a druid Kalistar named Mira. Come check us out 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time on the, La- well, the Lawfully Chaotic, or is it the RPG and Co's? All of them. All YouTube of them. And Twitch channels and also the TTRPG YouTube channel as well. Yeah, and Jason, where can we find you? Uh, you can always find me right here at the TTRPG Academy with all the stuff okay. and the things over at Twitch. Just what I'm pointing at right there. It's weird because when I do that, my vision gives me all blurry and such. Uh, but yeah, I'm on the Twitters, the Instagrams, and all the fun spaces. Just uh, plug in TTRPG Academy, come find me. Or uh, you can find me over at LinkedIn Tree, TTRPG Academy as well. Brian! Where can we find you? You can find me at rpgandco.com, precious. All the time. Also, Lawfully Chaotic Studios. Yes. <laughs> Gollum came into the studio, y'all. Yeah. Um, by the way, Sharon, speaking of Mira, um, have you thought about a second campaign, second player, and, and what would you play? Or are you just, are you so, it's it's something I've been thinking about. Or are you so laser focused on Mira? I kind of want to see you. Staff, 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 staff. Well, that, that's not true. Yes. staff at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Three miles is not going to let you forget about that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I had a couple of characters already made for like one shots that I really adore, but there is this one character. I it's like amorphous at the moment. It's a samurai that's like kind of like an oni that I would like to play. I haven't really figured out the mechanics for it yet, but I think it's I'm on to something. So okay, cool. Yeah, are you gonna I use that see- possibly in our next campaign? Mayhaps. Maybe. I want to see, see you do something. Do, do something with something completely different than Mira. Oh, yeah, no. I got I got a whole bunch of characters okay. that are quite something, different. Just something, <laughs> something I was wondering. Just, I don't know. The evolution of Mira, I'm beginning to wonder who the big bad is. <laughs> Only one way to find out. I know, right? <laughs> Saturday nights, 4 o'clock. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, thank you for uh, for joining us. Uh, and remember, TPK, tell stories, play games, and be kind. Good Bye, night. guys.